What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of What's Up With History. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Apollo 11 missions, mainly because there's the movie First Men coming out pretty soon, and I'm very excited to see this movie. One, I like Ryan Gosling as an actor, but two, this is about a very interesting story, and hopefully we're going to get a lot of insight into the personal lives of these men who did this extremely historical feat for mankind. So hopefully this will be a little teaser for the movie for you all. So, before we get started, like always, I'll talk about my sources, which are Wikipedia, obviously, (laughs) NASA, Smithsonian, the History Channel, and Space.com. I had to scour a lot of different websites because I didn't have a book to use this time. So, sorry about no book recommendations, but I got a lot of information here, so hopefully this will be enough to satiate you all for before the movie comes out. So before we get started, we'll start with a little bit of background information, some contextual information before we actually get into the topic. So during this time, the U.S. and Soviet Union were engaged in the Cold War in around the late 50s and early 60s. The USSR had launched Sputnik 1 on October 4, 1957, igniting American fears of nuclear attacks. Sputnik scared the American populace into thinking that Russia had become capable of intercontinental nuclear strikes. Now, the launch of Sputnik triggered what we know as the Space Race. President Dwight D. Eisenhower, consequently, created the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, or NASA. Eisenhower began with Project Mercury, aimed at getting a man into Earth's orbit. However, America was beat by Russia when on April 12, 1961, Yuri Gagarin became the first man in space and to orbit the Earth. On May 5th, the same year, Alan Shepard became the first American in space and to orbit. After surviving his return, because Yuri Gagarin did not survive his return, sadly, he was congratulated by the now president, John F. Kennedy. Now, Kennedy wanted the U.S. and USSR to start on equal footing for the next monumental task. So he made an appeal to Congress on May 25, 1961 to put men on the moon under the name Project Apollo. Now, the Apollo craft would therefore need three components, a command module, or CM, that would be the only part to return to Earth, a service module, SM, that would support the CM and astronauts, and a lunar module, LM, that would be capable of landing and taking off from the moon. Now, the Saturn V rockets meant for liftoff into Earth's orbit were currently being developed at this time. Project Gemini was meant to prepare astronauts with skills and technologies needed in Project Apollo. The project was put on hold when a fire killed three astronauts in Apollo 1 on January 27, 1967. These men were Command Pilot Virgil I. Gus Grissom, Senior Pilot Ed White, and Pilot Roger B. Chaffee. Now, this is a terrible tragedy that obviously put things on hold for a bit, so they could have time to investigate the cause of the fire and have funerals for these heroic men. Now, subsequent missions, Apollo 7 and Apollo 8, tested the CM in Earth's orbit, and then the Moon's orbit. Now, Apollo 7 occurred in October of 1968, and Apollo 8 happened in December. Now, in March of 1969, Apollo 9 tested the LM in Earth's orbit, and then Apollo 10 tested it in lunar orbit in May. Everything was ready by July. Now, the men chosen for this monumentous task were Commander Neil A. Armstrong, 38, CM pilot Michael Collins, 38, and LM pilot Edwin E. Buzz Aldrin, Jr., 39. All men had prior experience in space in the Gemini missions and were actually the first to do many things in space. The initial announced crew assignments included Armstrong, Aldrin, and CM pilot Jim Lovell. However, a health concern earlier on with Collins demanded Lovell from the backup crew to take his place in Apollo 8. Therefore, some reshuffling had to have occurred. 
and Collins healed in time to take Lovell's place in Apollo 11 due to scheduled crew rotations. The final CM craft was designated Columbia, and the LM, the Eagle. Now, the Apollo 11 insignia was created to represent a peaceful landing on the moon, hence the American Eagle with an olive branch in its talons. Now, the site was selected based on the criteria of smoothness, a clear approach path, reachable on minimum fuel usage, allowed for countdown delays, allowed for a free return trajectory, good visibility, and a general slope of about 2 degrees. The amount of sunlight needed restricted the landing to about one day per month that they could actually land on the moon and have enough sunlight to actually see what they were doing. They settled on Site 2 in the southwestern area of the Sea of Tranquility. The ascent stage of LM-5 arrived at Kennedy Space Center on January 8, 1969, and the descent stage arrived four days later. The CSM, CM-107, arrived on January 23rd, the LM-5 came with a VHF radio antenna to facilitate communication between astronauts while they walked on the lunar surface, a lighter ascent engine, more thermal covering for the landing gear, and a package called the Early Apollo Surface Experiments Package, or ESEP. All these things in contrast to Apollo 10, the original lunar module, which didn't actually come with all of these features. The CM and SM were mated and sent from operations and checkout building to the vehicle assembly building. The SIVB third stage of the Saturn V rocket arrived on January 18, the S2 second stage on February 6th, and the instrument unit on February 27th. The 5,443-ton structure departed the vehicle assembly building and was transported to launch pad 39A for a test fire. All these tests were concluded on July 2nd, I believe. On the morning of July 16, the S2 and SIVB stages were fueled with liquid hydrogen. Armstrong took the left couch, Collins took the right, and Aldrin took the center. The closeout crew sealed the hatch, pressurizing the cabin at around 7 a.m. The countdown activated at 3 minutes 20 seconds before launch time. There were more than 450 personnel at their stations in the firing room, and around 1 million people came to see the launch in person, covering the highways, the beaches. And a lot of these people were civilians, but a good portion of them were dignitaries from all around the world. Most were from the U.S., but about a third from more than 50 other countries. The launch was also televised in over 30 countries. President Richard M. Nixon even watched the launch from the Oval Office. The Apollo 11 launched at 13.32 a.m. UTC on July 16, 1969, and reached Earth's atmosphere 12 minutes later. The SIVB third stage pushed Apollo 11 out of orbit after one and a half orbits toward the moon. After the SIVB stage was ejected and the CSM docked with the LM, the team set a trajectory toward the moon. Apollo 11 entered lunar orbit at 17.21 UTC on July 19th. At 12.52 UTC on July 20th, Armstrong and Aldrin entered the Eagle and separated from the Columbia at 17.44 UTC. Collins inspected the Eagle from the windows of the Columbia. They did a little pirouette outside the window just to make sure everything was good to go on the sides and make sure nothing was damaged. They descended faster and more west than planned according to their radar, but were given the go-ahead. The computer guiding the LM distracted the astronauts because of the program alarms going off. This was because the radar switch was in the wrong position rather than there actually being a serious problem, though, thankfully. This computer system was thankfully able to recalibrate in real time. Armstrong had to alter the incorrect course by manually piloting the Eagle. The Eagle successfully landed at 2017 UTC on July 20th, 1969, with less remaining fuel than in previous trials. Armstrong then messaged Houston, the Eagle has landed. Aldrin privately took communion after the success while they prepared for their EVA. 
he didn't publicize him taking communion because NASA was in the middle of a lawsuit with atheist Madeline M. O'Hare at the time, so that probably would have been bad press. They decided to forego the five-hour sleep period due to being unable to sleep. If you were the first people on the moon, I doubt you'd want to sleep too. They began preparations for the EVA at 2343 UTC, and the hatch was opened at 239 UTC on July 21st. Armstrong uncovered the plaque on the ladder. The plaque read, Here men from the planet Earth first set foot upon the moon, July 1969 AD. We came in peace for all mankind. Armstrong then set foot on the powdery surface, saying his famous words, That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. First thing Armstrong did was take a bag of soil and put it in his pocket as a contingency. Aldrin joined him minutes later and described the view as magnificent desolation, which is poetic in my opinion. The astronauts planted a special U.S. flag. They also began experiments and deployed the ESEP, which included seismic measuring equipment and other tech. They collected core and rock samples and discovered three new minerals, armalkalite, tranquilitite, and pyroxperoid. They left behind the plaque five medallions, a small silicon disc containing goodwill messages from 73 countries, an Apollo 1 patch, and a gold olive branch. They left all those behind on the moon as a peace offering from mankind. They traveled over 240,000 miles in 76 hours to spend just over 21 hours on the moon's surface. That's a long trip for a short amount of time at your actual destination. They moved everything into the LM and transferred over to the LM's life support, pressurized it, and went to sleep. Nixon had a contingency speech prepared in case the astronauts became stranded. Aldrin actually accidentally broke the circuit breaker for the liftoff engines, but they managed to fix it with a felt-tip pen, so they weren't stranded after all. The astronauts woke up after about seven hours of rest and lifted off at 1754 UTC. The flag toppled in the exhaust of the LM ascent stage, according to Aldrin, but subsequent missions planted flags further away from the LM. The Eagle docked with the Columbia and jettisoned the ascent stage at 2341 UTC on July 21st. They made their last televised broadcast on July 23rd and almost lost communication with Guam, but a last-minute repair brought them back online. The chief communications officer, his son, was able to use his smaller hands to reach into the uh, control board and fix things up a little bit, so everything was okay in the end. Now, the USS Hornet replaced the USS Princeton as the recovery vessel for Apollo 11. The ship took on Sikorsky SH-3 Sea King helicopters of the HS-4 unit, specialized divers of the UDT detachment Apollo, and a 35-man recovery team from NASA and over 100 media representatives. The ship headed out to retrieve Apollo 11 on July 12th. The ship headed out to retrieve Apollo 11 on July 12th. A presidential party arrived on the ship in time for the ceremonies and to meet the astronauts. They changed the splashdown area because of an incoming storm, and at 1644 UTC on July 24th, the parachutes were deployed, and the Columbia splashed down in the Pacific Ocean seven minutes later. Divers on the scene passed biological isolation garments, or BIGs, to the astronauts. They were rubbed down with a sodium hydrochloride mixture, and the CM was rinsed with betadine. So to get all the lunar powder off of everything, and make sure there wasn't any contaminants on there. This was, after all, the first mission to the moon, so they didn't know what was on the moon. They were just trying to play it safe, as they should. The astronauts were placed in a mobile quarantine facility, or MQF, where they would spend the next 21 days. The Hornet collected the CM and headed to Pearl Harbor. 
The astronauts were taken to the Lunar Receiving Laboratory on July 28th, and the Columbia was deactivated and taken to that same place a few days later. The quarantine was lifted on August 10th, 1969 by the Interagency Committee on Back Contamination. The astronauts rode in parades in New York, Chicago, Los Angeles on August 13th. There was also a state dinner that night at the Century Plaza Hotel in L.A. This was the beginning of a 45-day giant leap tour over 25 countries. They spoke before Congress, presented flags that had been on the moon on September 16th. The CM Columbia is on display at the National Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C. The MQF is on display at the Stephen F. Udvar Hazy Center. And most of the moon rocks reside at the Lunar Sample Laboratory at the Lyndon B. Johnson Space Center. So there's still artifacts remaining from this monumental feet in human history and these guys i mean you gotta hand it to them these guys took immense stress and pressure to be the first men to walk on the moon like can you imagine being the first person to walk on the moon the kind of pressure on you to make sure everything was precise in measurement to make sure you got there without a hitch and they actually had some leg room for whenever things went wrong occasionally hence with the felt-tip pen situation in the circuit breaker. This makes me so excited for the first man movie, and I really, I really hope it's a good movie. I really do, because if it is, that's a big nod to them and the, the trials that they went through, because, I mean, they put their all into this mission for their country, and I can't help but respect these men and every other individual who is in the space program. I mean, I really cannot help but respect them. So, nevertheless, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. I hope you learned a lot. I definitely did. I learned a ton of stuff that I did not know before. But, all in all, it was very interesting. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a good one.